0: A lot of folks think directed missions is a fast growth strategy, and that's not entirely the case. I mean, we had one conversation with a partner recently that was expanding into this space and was seeing a real significant growth in applications. And when we talked about like, okay, well, what's going to yield for the fall? They were assuming their applicant to start rate would stay the same. And the reality is it's not. Directed missions applicants don't convert at the same level. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay, now. From the beginning.
1: Welcome to Higher Ed Pulse, your Monday morning energizer covering insights and trends in higher ed marketing and enrollment. I'm Mallory Wilsey, bringing over 15 years of ed tech and marketing expertise to your earbuds.
0: And I'm Seth O'Dell, joining the Pulse with my own adventures from leading marketing at top universities to founding Canahoma, one of the industry's fastest growing digital marketing agencies.
1: Each week, we bring you the kind of insider insights you typically only find over cocktails with your pals at a conference.
0: It's fast, it's fun, and it's designed for you, the busy higher ed professional.
1: You're not just listening to another podcast.
0: You're checking the pulse of higher education.
1: Higher Ed Pulse is part of the Enrollify Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher ed professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at enrollify.org. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the next-generation AI student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful and personalized interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the third episode of High Ed Pulse. Let's check in. Seth, did you actually show up for this one?
0: I am here, and I am ready, and I'm excited.
1: I mean, we ended on the cliffhanger at the end of episode two. We... We weren't sure, so...
0: You never know, but here we are. We're ready for another one.
1: We're ready for another one. Although we both have Disney on the mind, I am in Orlando this week and going to Epcot tomorrow. The creamsicle in France, that's my pro-Epcot tip. Anybody who hasn't been, you
0: need to go get the
1: creamsicle in France. (laughs) And while I'm in Orlando, you're going to be at Disneyland in Los Angeles, right?
0: Yeah, I'm going to Disneyland uh, middle of this week for a couple days with my three-year-old daughter and our niece and nephew, and I'm super excited. It's an annual trip that we do each year for them, and weirdly, my three-year-old is over 40 inches tall now. She is just shooting up like crazy, so she's like, she's eligible to go on like, almost every ride, which is actually terrifying to me, but if they say she could do it, she wants to, so we showed her some YouTube videos, and uh, she's down for all these rides, so it's going to be a really fun week.
1: I can't wait to see a photo of Lola on the craziest roller coaster at Disneyland (laughs) or the Cars ride. Oh, my gosh. I love the Disneyland Cars ride. Hey, folks, we're not just talking about Disney because we are excited about our trips, but actually, like, spoiler alert, we're actually talking about Disney in next week's episode. So you're going to have to hang on to that one and, and see why. Some good info. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be a good one.
0: Yeah, we have some good stuff coming on that.
1: Love it. All right. But today we are actually going to be focusing on the topic of direct admissions. And so, our first two episodes, Seth and I, we've brought some different links from Inside Higher Red, the Densu Report, you know, a viral uh, conversation we saw happening on LinkedIn. And it's been really fun, but. Seth and I have been chatting, and we both think that you know it is very timely to talk about the topic mm-hmm. of direct admissions, and so we're actually dedicating this entire episode to that topic, but I don't want to make the assumption that folks listening know what direct admissions is, so just kind of really quickly to give people a survey of the land. Uh, direct admissions in higher ed allows students to be admitted to a college, typically based on predetermined academic criteria, leaning on maybe GPAs and test scores, you know, without the need for essays or lengthy interviews, right? The the goal is to shorten up the process and simplify that college application experience, which we know for many students is super stressful. And it's often used by institutions or programs that are, you know, looking to maybe increase diversity or uh, specifically bring in more first-gen students. uh, A lot of our customers at Element 451 who are using direct admissions um, are doing it for those reasons. And one other note on direct admissions, there's actually a, a different models, right? So there's three different models. The first is offering admission without submitting that application. It's just, you know, hey, hey, Johnny, y- you're in. Welcome. Model two is offering admission before they submit that application, but they were intending to. And then the third model is that the student is more in the driver's seat here, and it is more of a student-led approach, but they are getting that acceptance offer without the need to complete a lot of paperwork. And for the schools that are using direct admissions, typically they're pointing to you know one of many reasons. It's eliminating that application fee cost. It could be saving time, giving students more confidence, it could reduce the fear of rejection for them. We've mentioned this. It's, it's simplifying a tedious and intimidating process and, and allowing access to different student populations for Absolutely. institutions. So there's definitely a lot of reasons why to do it. A number of the companies that are in the space, right, are making a variety of promises for uh, why a school might be interested in coming onto a direct admissions program. Uh, They're pointing to things like it's leading to more students actually attending college. It's reducing the time and resources required for marketing and recruitment. And it's allowing staff members to actually spend more time with the students who are admitted. So there's your survey. There's your landscape. Seth, jump in here with some hot direct admission takes.
0: You got it. So I'll say, you know, direct admissions as a conversation is definitely like top of mind right now this season, probably for a lot of folks. It certainly is for me and some of our partners. I will start with a caveat that anything that increases access to education, that increases diversity of applicant pool, I am absolutely supportive of. And so I'm supportive of things that increase access to students, um, especially first generation students or those that are maybe less familiar with the process and makes it more accessible. So I do love that. I will say that I think Directed Missions is definitely a little bit of steak, but a whole lot of sizzle. And what I mean by that is like, I'm not sure it's exactly what people think it is. A lot of folks think directed missions is a fast growth strategy, and that's not entirely the case. I mean, we had one conversation with a partner recently that was expanding into this space and was seeing a real significant growth in applications. And when we talked about like, OK, well, what's going to yield for the fall? They were assuming their applicant to start rate would stay the same. And the reality is it's not. Directed admissions applicants don't convert at the same level. So, you know, I'm sure we're going to unpack uh, niche, put some data out. One point that I'll call out is they're saying it's about 10% application to start, which is pretty solid. But, you know, the industry average that we see is 15% or higher. And so you are seeing that, like, these aren't quite apples to apples. And so there's a lot of schools out there right now in February looking at their total applications that if they've played into this space, they're thinking they're trending really well for fall. But, like, you know, an application is not a start. And to me, the other one I'll call it is there's been two institutions that I will not name that I saw this week alone put out press releases about record application volume for their institution. And I was just like, literally nobody cares. Um, You (laughs) know, like record application volume doesn't mean anything. Like what we want to know is like how many of those students you've converted and how many of those have you sat. Now, maybe if you're a highly selective institution that maintains, you know, your acceptance rate, sure, then I'd be curious. But these institutions are not high, you know, they're not low acceptance rate selective institutions. These institutions are looking to grow. And if you're looking to grow, touting growth and application volume doesn't really mean a whole lot. Like, I want to see who you, who, and how you sit. And so to me, like the big direct admissions conversation is it's increasing applications, but is it actually increasing starts? And so, uh, you know, for institutions that are out there right now looking at their application volume and how they're trending to previous years, I'm just worried a lot of folks are going to think they're in a lot better of a position than they are. And then, you know, their yield may not come through. So I am maybe like a little bit cautious contrarian when it comes to at least projecting performance off of direct admission Performance.
1: Well, can we also just call it what it is? Direct admissions is the credit card pre approval process applied to college admissions. So,
0: like, it, there's some similarities. It's yeah. what
1: it is. And don't get me wrong, that is innovation. I absolutely think that our industry is ripe for innovation when it comes to process and pricing changes. <laughs> you know, we, Think about maybe other pricing models that could be like wildly applied to higher ed, like, I don't know, airline seat dynamic. Pricing? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, right? Like, this is where sometimes these ideas start. You take two totally disparate ideas or seemingly disparate ideas and you kind of smoosh them together. This is how Dollar Shave Club had their great success, completely changing the pricing strategy and model for razor sales and applying the subscription model to it, right? Like, something people never thought would work. Mm -hmm. Well, direct admissions is the credit card pre approval process applied to admissions. Maybe, I don't know, we could do an episode just on like all these other pricing or process models and, and how it could innovate the industry. But that's kind of what it is. And I had the chance to chat and catch up with a friend of mine who's kind of deep in this space. And what he shared with me is that it's just really expensive lead gen right now. And I feel like mm. that's tracking with your insights from what you're
0: seeing out there too totally i'll just say that i i think that's spot on i think directed missions is closer to lead generation than it is to enrollment so if you look at on the spectrum of the funnel it's a lot closer to the top than it is to the bottom so whoever shared that with you I, i would totally agree with that
1: hey everyone it's mallory i'm hosting the engage summit this summer in raleigh north carolina the theme of the conference is ai got you we're not just talking theories This conference is your guide to understanding and applying AI at your institution. By the end, you won't just get AI. You'll be ready to lead your campus through an AI transformation. It's for everyone who wants to use AI to level up everything you're doing. Whether your focus is to recruit or retain, the Summit offers a platform to learn, network, and bring back actionable insights to enhance your student engagement strategies. I hope you'll join me and some of your favorite Enrollify creators in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th, like Jamie Hunt, Dustin Ramsdell, and Allison Tercio. Use the discount code Enrollify50, and you can register for just $99. So join us at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah. I'm also hearing that for guidance counselors, it's a bit of a headache. They're dealing with some very confused and stressed out students. And if you recall a few minutes ago, I said part of the reasons for doing direct admission programs is to decrease the stress. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're in the model where you are just admitting students without them ever having submitted an application maybe without them even knowing your college brand. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're getting accepted. I mean, that leads to a very confusing scenario.
0: Yeah. When well, I think that people aren't necessarily considering that, like what does it mean to to offer direct admissions? It it, you know, direct admissions is the beginning of the process, not the end.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and it requires a totally different nurture sequence. And so, you know, the way that you nurture an inquiry or the way that you nurture an application that comes through your own website has to be different. And I don't know that people are necessarily bringing unique nurture and comm strategies to direct admissions, because to your point, those individuals may not have the same relationship with your institution. They may not understand the value propositions of why to choose. And so it's great that they're now being accepted. They're likely to be accepted in many other places as well. You know, the number of applications that an average student is issuing each year is growing. So students apply to more schools, which puts even more pressure on each school to actually be able to engage those students in a more meaningful way. And I think that's definitely one of the pieces. It's like, I actually think the concept of direct admissions has great potential application in higher ed, but the idea that it just stops at the application is the mistake, right? That, that, that's where the initiation, that's where the process begins, is at the direct application. But the real work is in helping that student make a decision for where to study. And I'm not sure a lot of institutions that are currently engaged in direct admissions are actually doing that in a substantive way
1: yeah i have encouraged our customers to think about direct admissions as perpetual yield mm, i like that because that's that's what it is right like you are just admitting somebody and all the work that you would typically do to attract that prospect has to happen not now before they're accepted but after they're accepted. And so it puts a little bit more work on the marketing communications team to your point to think differently about the communication strategy and workflow and how and what you are saying to these individuals so that you can indeed ease the stress and confusion in the process.
0: Yeah. I totally agree. And I'll say that, you know, one item that I have uh, not heard talked about that much publicly, I'm actually hoping to write a newsletter on it soon, is that since COVID, the campus tour has not recovered. So if you actually look at studies that have been conducted, people are taking less campus tours today than they were previous years, and they're going to less institutions when they tour, and they're not traveling as far. There's been studies out that have shown that, it's still early data, but that's important because, as we all know from the traditional undergraduate on-campus student recruitment perspective... Nothing recruits better than a campus visit. And so it's great that you might be able to get a direct application from a student who has not yet come to campus, but if you can't get them to campus, it's very unlikely they're going to come to campus this fall. And so that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on your marketing and enrollment teams to be able to substantively, meaningfully engage with these prospective students and make sure that you're understanding that they have not come to actually experience what being on campus is like yet. And that's the hurdle you have to clear next. It's great that they've completed, you know, the direct application, which essentially they haven't had to complete a whole lot. That work is more on the institution than on their side. But there's more work to be done for the institution beyond that. And one key one I'll call out is is, is driving campus visits because we're seeing less of them. And it's still, um, from my perspective, you know, the the majority. Prior Primary, most impactful thing that institutions can offer to successfully convert students that are in the funnel
1: something else that um, I've seen. And if anyone was listening to our announcement episode uh, with Zach a few weeks ago, I actually brought this up during that episode. New York State has articulated that the top 10% of the state's high school graduates will receive direct admission to either a SUNY or CUNY institution. Mm, That's right. And this is, you know, Tech Tennessee launched its own program like this. I believe the University of South Carolina and Virginia Commonwealth University also. Have these top 10% standards that they announced last year. So that's really interesting. As a former admission counselor, you know, I can say not every high school is the same. I think we know that, right? Like there is a wide variety in the quality of education that people are getting at their high schools. Somebody in the top 10% at one, may not be in the top 10% at the other. And so as I have chatted, particularly with some of my SUNY-based friends in the industry, they're actually a little apprehensive about this new program. They're concerned that it's going to lead to students who aren't quite ready for that particular institution to be walking into, you know, the front doors and what ripple effect is that actually going to have when it comes to some of the resources that get provided on campuses. Well that'll be interesting to watch.
0: Especially too, because it takes, you know, the institutions typically are looking for both fit and the ability for students to be successful. And that assessment is typically being done at the institutional level. The centralization of a direct admissions policy like that obviously removes that ability to make those decisions from the institution, pulls it to a higher level. You know, I think within a public structure, perhaps that's acceptable and that's OK. But it's, it's, you've got to acknowledge it. That's a big shift in, in who's making the assessment on FIT and what's the criteria for that. And so I think that's super fair. And that's where, like, to me, the, the biggest things are, like, you know, why are we doing it? If we're doing it to increase access, increase options, that' great. But are we aware of the reality that we have to do more? Are we not relying on these numbers to try to predict fall because the reality is you're likely to yield a lot less? I don't know. These are all the things that are in my mind. The one thing I just want to call out is I would love for folks to find us on social and let us know if you're using direct admissions on, at your institutions and what your thoughts are for how you think it might yield for fall. It's just been a topic that's happening in the back channel a lot, and I haven't heard it as much publicly. So I would love to know what folks' thoughts are, not just at a macro view, which I think we all agree there's a lot of uh, significant benefit to programs like this, but more at the application level. Like within your institution, are you worried at all about being able to predict your fall if apps are up but start still maybe down? So I don't know, very interesting uh, stuff happening, I think, for sure.
1: Very interesting. But once again, these 15 minutes have just flown right by... <laughs>
0: They always and
1: do. we have reached the end of today's Pulse episode. Our Thursday Pulse episode drop will continue the series that Shane Beglini is hosting on grad and online enrollment and marketing. So keep an eye out for that one to hit your favorite podcast network. And do us a favor, if you have been enjoying these episodes with Seth and me, let us know. The best thing that you can do is rate this podcast wherever you are streaming it from. Leave a review or just drop us a line on social media. But that review and rating, we would so appreciate it. Thank you in advance. All right, Seth, any parting words?
0: No, just thanks uh, for everybody for tuning in. I really always appreciate the conversations. And Mallory, it's always great to see
1: you. All right, friends, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. The Higher Ed Pulse is part of the Enrollify podcast network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month. And we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our show helps higher ed marketers and admission pros find their next big idea and features a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Brian Gross, Eddie Francis, Jenny Lee Fowler, and so many of your favorite leaders in higher ed. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the next generation AI student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful and personalized interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.